0: Thank you. and he saw uh, uh, and this man who was really like a down and out he, he nudged his mate who was next to him and he saw all these people down the front who were nicely dressed and he said who are they? said, they there the Christmas and he looked and he thought the Lord has sorted them out he can sort me out and he asked the Lord to be his savior in fact he went out after his rock cake and his, his, uh, his, his cup of tea he went out to the nearby park and under a th-
1: that bag that 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 and that 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 that
0: Thoughts would be busy with all the things of the day, and he would do this to remind them that whilst they're busy about the now, eternity is before them, and they need to think about eternity. And countless people were moved and came to faith through his testimony by this one word being written everywhere. Do you know when he died? The of Sydney made a monument to this one there's another one I haven't got a picture for which is of a bench with an alcoholic's crushing on it, and the word eternity yeah, that, beautiful thing. that was his testimony and they made this monument to Arthur Stace, who was known as Mr. Eternity because so many people were helping. and it doesn't stop there do you remember in the year 2000 when we had the millennial celebrations and uh, the clock was going to change first of all in the southern hemisphere and we were all tuned in to watch the fireworks display, the biggest fireworks display America that Australia has ever put on, 24 minutes in Sydney Harbour. And the crowning piece of that was Sydney Harbour Bridge and it had the word, Eternity. That's what I want to speak to you about today. Eternity. Eternity. It's the biggest thing any of us can ever consider. Where will you spend eternity? What will your future be? You see, none of us will live forever. Death is the ultimate statistic, said George. Said, if we don't want to end up where we don't like, we've got to think about where we're going and we
1: Think about where we're on our way to.
0: So when we get there, because if you turn away from me if you don't know Christ the Lord, or you don't to the Lord, as you're saying then there is an judgment. this is what Isaiah ends his prophecy on in Isaiah chapter 65 and he lets us know eternity is at stake and what he gives us here in this passage is two things he gives us first of all in verses 13 to 16 the future sufferings of the lost and then he follows that with the future blessings of the saved. And I want us to look at this this morning so each one of us can consider from our hearts where we will spend eternity. And if we've not yet done so, to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to say on the outside this morning, I make no mistake about it, I am preaching to try and influence you to make a decision to The last verse before this in verse 12, God said, I will destiny for the sword, and you will all bend down for the sword. For I called, but you did not answer. I spoke, but you for Mansoul and invited the townsfolk to come to the castle for his banquet. He fed them with all kinds of fancy food not grown in the fields of Mansoul or in all the kingdom of the universe. This ba- these special delicacies came only from the court of King Shaddai, his father. Dish after dish was set before them and they were encouraged to eat freely. Mansoul drank water that had been made into wine and ate angel's food sweetened with honey from the rock. While they were eating, lovely music filled the banquet hall. (laughs) What a beautiful picture that is of the feast set before God's people. My servants will eat, says Isaiah. My servants will drink. But in contrast, he says, But you will go hungry and you will go thirsty. Do you like hunger? Do you like thirst? I don't suppose many of us have really tasted the true depths of hunger. I read the uh, uh, book, The One That Got Away, by the SAS man, Chris Ryan, who escaped from uh, the Bravo Two Zero 0 uh, uh, mission that went wrong in the first Gulf War. And uh, as he had to escape to come back from th- behind enemy lines back into uh, uh, safety, he, he had to ration his food until it all went and he had no he tried drinking the water the water in the river was poisoned and he was close to dying of starvation he said his vision had gone yellow that's what happens when you're in famine that's how hungry and this is what the lord is warning about it's it's not just you know missing uh you know being late for dinner he's saying my servants will eat and my servants will drink, but you'll go hungry and thirsty. The rich man in, in Jesus' parable in Luke 16 cried out for just a drop of water to be put on his tongue. Just for a second. This is part of the sufferings that we're told about. It's something I don't want ever to experience. Not only that, he says your sufferings will be shame in verse 13. He says in the second half of the verse, my servants will rejoice, but you will be put to shame. You know, heaven will be a place of great rejoicing. I like Bob Dylan, and one of Bob Dylan's songs, he there's a man who's dying, and there's a voice. He says, he says, I want to go over there. That's where the music's coming from. I can't just imagine someone saying that on their deathbed who's a Christian. I want to go over there. That's where the music's coming from. Like the the father's uh, party in the parable of the prodigal son when the son came home. It's a place of rejoicing. But by contrast, by contrast, he says, you will be put to shame. The Lord Jesus said that hell was a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's shame. You know, George Foreman, the heavyweight boxing champion, uh, who who was uh, uh, a married man, committed adultery. And one night, he went with a woman and he went home and he he wished he hadn't done it. Afterwards, he wished he hadn't done it. He said, I got in the shower. He said, I took my clothes off. And he said, I threw them away. and never wanted to wear them again. He said, I got in the shower and I washed my skin until it was raw. But I couldn't make the feeling of dirt go away from me. Praise God. He he professes to have become a Christian. And found relief through the saving work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that's true. But you know what? That's what shame is like. And I'll tell you this now. If you don't weep for your sins now. You will weep in eternity. You will weep. That's what God says. You will bear the shame of your sins. Not only that. God warns us that hell will be a place of sadness verse 14 the contrast here my servants will sing out of the joy of their hearts isn't that a beautiful description the people they're singing in heaven and they'll sing out of the joy of their hearts i hear that some of you here on sunday mornings but he says but you will cry out from the anguish of heart there's a contrast there and wail in brokenness of spirit you know This week we heard about a a teacher in the local vicinity who's called Mr. Joy. That's a beautiful name, isn't it? And all Christians will be Mr. Joy in heaven. But there's no joy in hell. There's, There's brokenness. And I want to say this this morning. That's why suicide is never an answer to your problems. Please listen to me. Don't ever think that I can commit suicide and get away from my problems. You can't. You will go to more sadness and grief than you ever imagined, according to what the Bible says. Jesus is the answer. Turn to him. And then there's a contrast in swearing in verse 15. And he says, you will leave your name to my chosen ones as a curse. The sovereign Lord will put you to death, but to his servants he will give another name. You know, today you cannot turn the television on for five minutes without hearing oh my, and you hear God's name. You can't speak to people uh, in the street without hearing them say God's name. I was in the back garden just recently and some children who were playing nearby, I was outside and it just broke my heart. Just one sentence after another was full of, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And adults say it, Some, some take it with delight. I was grieved, I heard somebody say this once when they swore they said oh jesus wept that went through me like a knife that was deliberate that's someone who knows as well you know knows the scriptures john eleven thirty five. jesus wept well i want to tell you this if you swear by the name of god one day your name will be a swear word One day your name will be a swear word. Now you say, well, Christians won't swear. (laughs) That's true. But in Jeremiah 29, verse 22, we're told, But because of them, all the exiles from Judah who are in Babylon will use this curse. The Lord will treat you like Zedekiah and Ahab, whom the king of Babylon burned in the fire. It's that type of curse. Now, the contrast to that is God's people are going to be given a new name at the end of verse 15. But to his servants, he will give another name. And uh, that name earlier on in Isaiah is the name Hephzibah, in whom I take delight. What a beautiful contrast that is. How would you like your name to be used as a swear word? It's a thing you don't think about, is it? But you know, your name is the most precious thing in one sense that you have. What a thing to lose. And then, finally, salvation. There's a contrast in salvation. The middle of part of verse 15 says the shocking statement that you wouldn't have believed it had I not read it in the scriptures. The sovereign Lord will put you to death. That's what God says he's going to do to those who reject him. He's going to put them to death. Now don't get under the impression that's talking about annihilation. It's not. It speaks about eternal death. Charles Spurgeon used to pray sometimes this little prayer. And I've prayed it myself. Oh God speak with a voice which wakes the dead. And bids the sinner rise. And makes him guilt, fear. And, and makes the guilty conscience dread. The fear. The death that never dies. There is a death that never dies. And that's what hell is. And this is what God says he's going to do. He'll, he'll slay the wicked. Now Friends. I didn't tell you that to get you down this morning. I told you that to make you want to turn to Jesus. Do you want that? That's the, that's the future suffering of the lost. We've got to see what it is that God came, sent Jesus to save us from. And I plead with you that you will listen to the gospel and realize why the Lord Jesus had to come. That you can't just get there by your good works and your nice personality. Your sin has to be dealt with. And the judgment of God has to be erased, has to be taken out by Jesus' saving work. So, turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Bishop J.C. Ryle once said this, the saddest road to hell is the one that runs under the pulpit, past the Bible, and through the middle of warnings and invitations. Please, don't go that way. God is graciously warning you so you can see a better eternity. So that's the first thing there, the future sufferings of the lost. Now we come to a far happier subject, the future blessings of the saved. And that's in verses 16 to 19. Some of you who've been here a long time will remember the story I've told before of the the little blind boy who had an operation to save his sight. And when the doctor pulled off his bandages uh, around his eyes, he burst into tears at the sight of all the colour and the beautiful green trees and everything outside. And he turned to his mother and he said, Mum, why didn't you tell me it was like this? And she said, Darling, I tried, (laughs) but words couldn't get it across. Well, I want to tell you this, when we're talking about the future blessings of the saved, nothing I say here today is going to get across how good it is going to be for God's people. It is going to be amazing. We are going to live, according to verses 16 to 19, in a godly society. Can I get a hallelujah for that? a godly society verse 16 whoever invokes a blessing in the land will do so by the god of truth he will he who takes an oath in the land will swear by the god of truth what this is telling us is that in heaven the source of all blessing is god and the standard of all truth is god what a contrast to our world today where uh, God is seen as the reason for everything going wrong, if people believe in God at all, and uh, they see his his truth as being lies. Richard Dawkins has said more than once that to teach your children special creation, in other words, biblical creation, is child abuse. That's the world we live in. But I tell you, it's not going to be like that in heaven. We're going to have a godly society. We're going to have freedom from the past. Have a look at verse 16, the last part. He says, for the past troubles will be forgotten and hidden from my eyes. Isn't that a beautiful thing? The past pains will be taken away. You know, in the Bible, there's a beautiful story about Joseph, the son of Jacob, who was sold into slavery by his brothers. You know the story in the book of Genesis. And uh, as God sovereignly turned events around for Joseph, and he was brought from the prison up to the palace, and he became the king's right-hand man, he also got a wife. And it says in Genesis 41, verse 50, Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potiphar priest of on joseph named his firstborn manasseh and said it is because god has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household and the second he called ephraim he said it's because god has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering isn't that beautiful god gave joseph release from the past And that's one of the blessings we're going to enjoy in heaven. The past troubles will be forgotten and hidden from our eyes. That's a blessing. Joseph Parker, the great preacher of many years ago, once prayed in the pulpit that God would stretch out his hand and dry the tears no hand can touch. I want to tell you, everyone has got those in their lives, haven't they? But they will be healed in heaven and the past will be healed the past it'll be gone forever what healing will be in that freedom and then there will be a new creation and in verse 17 isaiah goes further than any of the other prophets in the old testament he says behold i will create new heavens and a new earth Now, those of you who are New Testament Christians, that will ring bells with you, because it comes up three other times after this in the New Testament. Once in the book of Peter, and another two times in the book of Revelation. Because it's what God is going to do at the end of time. You know, the beginning of our Bible begins with that famous verse, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But you could write at the other end of the Bible, in the end... God created the heavens and the earth because there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth at the end as well. This present earth is going to pass away. Peter says one day it will all be dissolved. The, they tell you at school that the world came into the existence by a big bang. The truth is it's going to go out by a big bang. And even some scientists are beginning to realize this. Uh, I found this in the newspaper, in the Telegraph, back in uh, 2015. How the universe will rip itself apart. And they have a new theory called the Big Rip Theory. And they're saying the atoms, it's all going to dissolve. Well, that's what my Bible says. It's going to be passing away at the command of God and a new heavens and a new earth is going to be there in its place it's going to be absolutely fantastic a little girl was looking at her sunset with her mother and she said mommy if heaven is this beautiful on the wrong side I can't wait to see what it's like on the right side (laughs) and isn't that what it's going to be for us to see a contrast with the wonderful world God has made and you can go there if you trust in Christ Jesus loves me, he who died, heaven's gate to open wide. His death is the way into the new creation. We're also going to enjoy the new Jerusalem. uh, Verse, uh, by the way, sorry, verse going back to the new creation, he says, The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. This tickled me. I've got to mention this. I found a book on Old Coombe Down. And some of you have got books like this in your, in your library, and they're full of old photographs on Old Coombe Down. Do you know who it was by? It was by Peter Addison. <laughs> and uh, this book was full of places, and I kept thinking, where's that? Where's that? And I, that's my road. <laughs> that's, that's where the chapel is. And you know how things change over time? You, c- you wouldn't recognise the change. That's what he says it's going to be like. He said the former things will not be remembered, uh, nor will they come to mind. That's the great contrast. But with that, there will be a new Jerusalem as well. Verse 18, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. There's going to be a new Jerusalem. The Apostle John saw this in the last chapter uh, and two chapters of his book, and he saw a city coming down out of heaven from God, like a bride dressed for her husband. That's you know, like how bride tries to get everything right for the wedding. Well, God has made everything right in this beautiful city. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be fantastic. And John lays out the, the description of it, which is just breathtaking. And it's, it's big. John Wolver, a great theologian, said, Whatever its shape, a city of large dimensions will be proper if it is to be the city of the residents of the saved of all ages. And he's right. Because it will need to have us housed, all of us, in there. And what a blessed place that's going to be. Hebrews 12 talks about this. You've come to the new, uh, new Jerusalem, a new city from God. It's what Abraham was looking for. He who spent his life after leaving his home in tents, looked for the city that has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And those of us who are Christians are looking forward to this world. Mark Twain, the uh, comic, once said, was, was once told the world is going to end. He said, well, we'll have to get on without it. <laughs> well, we will. We'll go to a new heavens and a new earth. But you know what? There's a fascinating thing. The new heavens and the new earth, we're told that in the New Jerusalem, the city gates are made of pearl. Pearls are beautiful. And, and they're stones that, that are made in the sea. They're not like other stones made on the land. you know how a pearl is made? A pearl is made in agony in the shell of an oyster. And there's a message there. If you want to come into the new Jerusalem, if you want to go into God's greatest uh, demonstration of heaven, the new heavens and the new earth in the last day, you've got to come through the agony of the Lord Jesus on the cross. That's the only way. He is the one who opens the door. And the final blessing of the saved revealed here will be, That there's no more suffering. Verse 19 at the end. He says the sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. What a precious thought that is. D.L. Moody once said that in heaven God will never hide his face from us there. And Satan will never show his. (laughs) That's good news. He's caused so much suffering in this world but his work is going to be stopped and there will be sound no more weeping and no more crying heard in the new jerusalem i am so looking forward to that dear friends i've just given you a little glimmer of the blessings of the saved would you like that rather than the future sufferings of the lost you can have it turn to christ A man once had a dream, and as he went in his dream to the gates of heaven, he saw people approaching the gates and calling at the gates. One man went up to the gate, and he knocked on the gate door, and a voice came from the other side and said, Who is there? He said, My name is Humanitarian. I am a humanitarian. And the voice on the other side said, What is the password? And he said, As a humanitarian, the password is charity. And the voice from the other side said, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. Another man approached the gates of heaven. And he said from the voice on the other side, who is this who seeks entrance into heaven? And the man said, I'm a moral man. And they said, what is the password? And he said, password is honesty. And the voice said the same thing, depart from me ye that work iniquity, I never knew you. A third man came up to the gates of heaven and he said, I am a religious man. They said, what is the password? And he said, the password is ritual. Again, the voice said, depart from me, ye that work iniquity, I never knew you. The final man who approached in this dream was a man who came up and knocked humbly on the door. And the voice said, who seeks entrance into heaven? He said, I am a sinner. And they said, what is the password? He said, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. And the voice on the other side said, open wide the gate and let him in, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Dear friends, turn to Christ. He alone can save John Bunyan, when he finished Pilgrim's Progress, saw the pilgrims go into the heavenly city. And he said at the end, I wished myself among them. If you could see them going in, you would wish yourself among them too. So come to Christ now. You'll have heaven in your hearts before that great day, which will be your future. Let's sing our final hymn.